This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Scott, what is going on with the world? It's like the end times. It's the end times. Last night, I couldn't take it. And mostly it was Sarah Palin dancing around singing Baby Got Back. But I, I don't know what to say. This is Let me just go through it. Uh, Tom mm. Hanks has COVID-19. So yeah. the NBA uh, canceled its season because one yeah. of its players got that. Travel from Europe halted, sort of, except from the UK where Trump has resorts. Um, that speech was wacky last night. Uh, mm. We still don't have testing. What, Scott, give me some information here. What do you think? Well, I, I'm not sure I have any information. I'm, you know, um, I can tell you what I think or what is, yes, is struck through my think. mind, and I'm curious if it struck yours. I immediately go back to the last time I felt this sort of uneasiness, and that was in the midst of the AIDS crisis, living in San Francisco in the early '90s. And I remember, I remember seeing a stat that said uh, uh, I used to go to the Castro a lot, and I remember mm-hmm. a stat saying that in the Castro, likely one out of every two men walking around has the virus. Mm-hmm. And now we're hearing these stats. Angela Merkel says she believes that 70% of Germany at there some point be. might have the virus. Uh, we're starting to hear about the the CDC has said, or there was a panel at UCSF, which is an incredible uh, medical school. And the panel basically said we have moved from containment, that containment is sort of a myth, to care. And the thing that really struck me that I keep hearing about is this notion of flattening the curve through social distance. Mm-hmm that we need to just ensure it's not so much, it's no longer that the spread of the virus is the risk, it's that the spread of the virus peaks so fast that it overwhelms our healthcare system and that the mortality rates not only go up for people infected with coronavirus, but the mortality rates go up across the board because people who have other health conditions can't access our healthcare system. Because they deluge the hospital system. And there's this great data that's come out from The Guardian about if China, who I think people will probably think in some ways handled the, you know, the response was aggressive and well handled. If they had done what they had did two weeks earlier, there would have been 68% fewer cases. If they'd done it three weeks earlier, there had been 95 fewer percent of cases. But if they had done it not as fast by a week, there'd be 66% more cases. Basically, what it all comes down to is how crisp and timely your response is. When I was listening, and one more thing, and then I'll shut up. But okay. We're not—whenever you're in media, I don't care if you're on CNBC or you're doing what we do, 
you're told, generally speaking, the, the fastest way to alienate 49% of your advertising base and your consumers is to make this political. But I genuinely believe that there's a business lesson here and that greatness is in the agency of others and incompetence is an isolation of your own narcissism. And I believe if Barack Obama was president in Germany, even if we had screwed up, even if the CDC mm-hmm. and the testing had gotten it wrong, I think people like Angela Merkel or people in South Korea where they're testing 10,000 people a day, we've tested 11,000 total, where in Germany they figured out a way to do drive-through testing. I think these leaders would be inclined to reach out to our president and say, Hey, boss, I'm going to help you. I have your yep. back. Yep. And I don't think anyone's looking to help us right now. No, especially because think... Trump made that. I'm going to interject now uh, because yes, I actually sorry, just ahead. did an hour, more than an hour interview with Ron Klain, who was uh, President Obama's uh, Ebola czar and how they handled that crisis. And he it was a long and wide ranging interview about uh, what to do. And uh, we have some uh, some uh, tape about that, um, he, especially around what you were just talking about, which is mitigation and yeah. and and handling the crisis through uh, adequate hospitalization ability, essentially, and testing. I asked him about all this and what the Trump administration needs to do in order to, to stem the spread of the virus in the U.S. The government made the wrong choice in getting rid of the WHO test and trying to build its own here in America. That went awry. Then when they tried to pivot to doing other kinds of testing, there were bureaucratic uh, problems, uh, he- uh, bureaucratic infighting between the CDC and the FDA. And I think some responsibility goes to the president himself for failing to demand that the government work quickly, for trying to minimize this problem, trying to say it's basically going to go away as a miracle. Uh, That didn't send the right signals to the government to work quickly to solve this problem. If we don't know where the disease is, we can't really fight it effectively. If we don't know who has it, we can't isolate those people, we can't get them treatment, and we can't keep them from spreading it to other people. And if we don't know where it is in terms of nursing homes and senior centers, we're going to see, you know, catastrophic spread of this disease among those who are most vulnerable to it and most vulnerable to the effects of the disease. That's the challenge we're facing right now. Okay, I think what's really important of, of mm-hmm. all the things that Ron said was the three the three prong thing was you need testing to figure out where it is. 100%. Secondly, you need hospitalization to be up to par, and including moving testing out of hospitals in order not to infect sick people, right? Or, or already sick, and then ha- having the ability to um, to come up with a cure, and that's the third part, obviously, which mm-hmm. is going to take a much longer time. Um, it, it was a really fascinating interview, largely because there, this is just essentially block and tackling um, in terms of doing it, and the the the, the politicization, the ignorance of it, um, the 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 pulling on the same old things, which is you know blocking borders and things like that, isn't going to cut it in this situation. Let's the build a wall. Let's build wanna, a wall around The virus Europe. is not going to pay for the wall either. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what what's really troubling is that that it continues to this morning after Trump made that what I consider a disastrous speech last night, focusing on one aspect, which is blocking people from coming, which mi- which does mitigate. It absolutely does. Yeah. It just it can't mm-hmm. be done just by itself. He didn't mention testing. He didn't mention all kinds of things. Um, so I think you're right. I think this is just and then he went on a rant about Nancy Pelosi this morning and Chuck Schumer from weeks ago, something about the judges and stuff like that. And so it really creates a, a situation where he needs to stop talking and let actual people, including governors 100%. and others, take over. So it, I, I'm not sure what the, yeah. when that's going to happen. 
And I always, do, I always immediately distill stuff down to, to kind of business principles. And there's this basic principle that you can't manage what you can't measure. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the reality is we can't manage this crisis unless we can measure it. And the, 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 the vehicle for measurement is testing. Right. And it's that is going to go down. I think the forensics here are going to all lead to uh, that the real error here was one— you know, we have this virus that's terrible, but we'll absolutely get past it. But this virus that took hold of our society in January of 2017 of incompetence and narcissism, where, you know, we like we got complacent. And this is all of our faults. We like to think that, oh, government doesn't matter. You can cut funding by 80 percent to the CDC's pandemic response unit two years ago, and it doesn't matter. You can surround yourself with incompetent people and have a revolving door in the cabinet because, and have basically one litmus test and that is fealty or loyalty to the president because government really doesn't matter. And you know what? It does. Yeah. And now we've ignored the symptoms of this thing and now it's taken purchase in the national corpus. It just feels, it's going to feel very obvious in retrospect, I think, how this happened or how it, you know, what got us. Oh, no, uh, it's it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, I think what, what, um, uh, Ron was saying, Ron Klain was saying, was that this stuff is is hasn't changed a lot in many years of how to handle uh, these kind of things. And there are certain things you have to do in lockdown very quickly in coordination with each other, including yeah. cutting through the red tape, including uh, doing proper testing. Some of this is now going to be done privately. Some of it's, you know, the original problem of not using the testing by the World Health Organization and doing it uh, this, this sort of uh, build or buy decision that that somehow got made. We don't know why. Um, in terms of these tests, um, and beyond the tests, you know, just having a plan where it feels like it's coordinated, and and it looks like it's going to have to be done, and it is a problem problematic because it's going to be done by fifty different states, by fifty different governors, by localities, um, and institutions, other institutions besides the White House, and I think that's pretty clear that that's going to happen. And then yeah. at, at coordination at the same time, besides the health issue, is the impact on all the markets. And I think you and I, you know, we've had a million things canceled. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody. He's doing any business essentially, yeah. um, you know. There's a you know, there's a bigger the economic story is massive. And of course, now they're trying to come up with some plans to stimulate the economy, which will just add more to the our budget, which is already overblown. Um, and and so, but they're sort of like reaching out. The U.S. technology chief technology officer Michael Kratzios, who I, I he's a non-entity as far as I can tell. He convened yeah. a call with companies on Wednesday and said after the meeting, cutting-edge technology companies and major online platforms play critical on this all-hands-on-deck effort. Today's meeting outlined the initial path forward, and we intend to continue to support currency. There's nothing technology companies can do except provide, like, digital technologies to, to work at home and, uh, and you know, maybe fix the, the disinformation that is being pushed forward by such as Fox News and places like that about this stuff. And that's the only thing tech companies do. So, you know, I'm not sure what can be done to mitigate it from a business point of view. But it, it's, uh, we do a session in my class in Brand Strategy on Crisis Management. Mm-hmm. And it's so basic, the key lessons, and they're so hard to follow. And in any mm-hmm. crisis, there's only three things you need to remember. The first is the top guy or gal has to address the issue. And mm-hmm. this is a little different because while the president and is appointed the vice president, and just to be just to be clear, if if the vice president, if every other sentence out of his mouth was because of the decisive leadership of the president, I actually think he's done a reasonably good job. I think he has tried to be. I don't agree with his policies. I don't like the way he's executed certain things, but I generally think uh, Vice President Pence is 
I think he's doing his able best, and I think he sounds almost competent compared to the guy who speaks in front of him. Mm-hmm. But it should be Anthony Fauci. It should be the top guy or gal who really understands this stuff addressing the nation. And I think yeah. they've sort of done that now. The second thing is you have to acknowledge the issue. And this administration has never acknowledged the issue. All they have done is said, let's do the calculus around the economy as it relates to my reelection prospects. Now go out and minimize it. Have your chief economic advisor use words like airtight. Have Kellyanne Conway say this has been contained. They have never, they still have not acknowledged the issue. Demonizing immigrants, making it about other people, intimating that it's it's oh, other people bringing it here that we're somehow doing this, doing this better. George Bush would never, you know, W would have never said that. W yeah. would have been, whatever you think of George W. Bush, he would have been on the phone with our allies saying, we screwed up here. What can you do for us? How can you help us? We, he wouldn't be demonizing these people. And then the third thing is, and this is the most important thing, is you have to overcorrect. Uh, Tylenol could have said, Johnson & Johnson could have easily said this was an isolated incident in Chicago. You know, someone put cyanide in a bottle. Instead, Mm -hmm. they cleared the shelves of every bottle of Tylenol in several days at huge economic loss. I don't even think we should be thinking about fiscal stimulus. I think every person in the government, I think every CEO tech should say, okay, this is a national emergency. And every minute that we get out ahead of this saves the panic and the ultimate economic crisis. The best thing we can do for the economy right now Mm -hmm. It's not figuring out fiscal stimulus. It's figuring out how we get out ahead of this thing by seconds, by minutes. And it's all about testing as far as I can tell. It seems like that is really the gating issue here that presents the biggest risk because we just don't know. We don't know. And and the one thing that did come out, that White House plans to release a database of research related to coronavirus and as tech companies help medical researchers analyze it for insights with artificial intelligence. But that's, to me, table states. Mm. Um, You know, and I think the spread of misinformation uh, is really the biggest thing they can do these platforms because there's so much of it uh, out there right now, and I- including on cable networks. Um, and uh, so I think that's pretty much all tech can do at this moment. Um, yeah. I'm going to shift. Um, we're going to talk a little Wait, bit more second, about one second, just, yeah, just, to, just to, the other thing that Finish was reminiscent. The, the other thing that was kind of reminiscent of the AIDS crisis for me, and I don't know if this was uh, spawned or, or took you back, was there were faces of the AIDS crisis that made it real. Mm-hmm. And the first two faces, you know, it's famous people that put a put right. an image and, and personify it. The first for me was I remember interviewing back in New York. I think I was interviewing with Goldman, uh, my senior year at UCLA, and I picked up a post and it said, you know, Rock Hudson has right. AIDS. And then yeah. the second person was famous person was Fet, Freddie Mercury from Queen. But because as you know, being in in the eighties, I still we were still the society was still wildly homophobic. So mm-hmm. we found comfort and a lack of urgency in thinking, oh, it's a gay disease, and right. and the implicit notion was somehow that they weren't they weren't victims, that they were complicit because of their abnormal behavior. Yeah. And then the first person that really put a face on it for kind of my cohort, if you will, and then a, you know, dumb young fraternity guys, if you will, was. Uh, Magic Johnson. Yeah. And I wonder if we got uh, the face of this crisis last night with Tom and Rita Hanks. Yeah, could and be. And that is, they're such likable, iconic figures. Right. And I I thought the way they handled it had demonstrated a lot of grace and dignity. They yep. were very upfront well, about as it. As always. As always. Yeah, they're just such class acts. It's right. like, okay, put them in charge. <laughs> I mean, right. 
But no, I wonder if we well, got a but face. But, you know, again, they're in Australia where you can get a test for free. That's and, right. And widely available. Yes, I agree with you. I think it takes a while for things to sink in, but it's things like this that can't be, that it really do, and, and canceling the NBA, canceling yeah. possibly the NCAA, canceling this, canceling that. I think that's when people start to, you know, in schools especially. Um, although uh, Ron Klain was saying that canceling schools is not always the best thing because it then throws yeah. students out into the population and they lose yeah. their homes and he- links to healthcare. Same thing with young kids. They just go elsewhere and, and do it. So um, it, it was a really fascinating discussion. I hope you'll listen to it and you'll enjoy it, um, although it's not an enjoyable topic. Um, but I'm going to move on to other tech things. Yep. Um, there's a, there's so much going on in the tech there space. Is. One, especially Congress holding hearings about antitrust. On Tuesday, the Senate held a subcommittee hearing on antitrust with Google Search at front and center. Mm-hmm. Um uh, essentially that they're using it to to make their stuff work better, um, making it difficult for competitors like Yelp to gain traction. Um, at the hearing, Yelp's policy head, uh, Luther Lowe, who I've talked to many times, testified that Google physically demoted non-Google results, even if they contain information with higher quality scores. Um, others, such as Sonos, Pop Rockets, all kinds of startups have been talking about this. Meanwhile, Amy Klobuchar announced a bill to uh, limit exclusionary conduct where a big company locks out smaller competitors, among other changes to antitrust law. Uh, the bill increases a burden of proof on monopolists to prove they're not suppressing competition and discourages courts from granting immunity from antitrust enforcement. And then Richard Blumenthal, a Democrat, and Senator Josh Hawley, a Republican, who both sit on the antitrust committees, urged Attorney General William Barr to examine Google's dominance in search and an ongoing investigation. Obviously, Barr has taken a much stronger hand in it over Macon Delrahim, who has been working on it. Um, and he's been, he's he has a lot of people working in his office on this. So, what do you think? I mean, we're in the midst of the coronavirus thing, but eventually people are going to not not forget that we have these issues around antitrust. You know, Kara, I've been so excited. I feel like there's been so many head fakes mm-hmm. around Washington saying, OK, we're getting serious this yeah. time, whether it's Agreed. the FTC or the DOJ announcing special committees or hiring Agreed. Lena Khan. Agreed. There's just been so much stuff. And I just feel like a, a jilted lover every time. And really? I think Senator really? Klobuchar. You feel like a jilted lover? Well, you know, disappointed. Yeah, that that pretty much describes my love life. Okay. Uh, anyways, the uh, look, it, it, Senator Klobuchar, she yeah. has tremendous substance. I think she sort of represents Minnesota well, and that is, yeah. we speak softly and carry a, 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 a carry a big legislative agenda. She right. is a fantastic she does know legislator. How to do bills. She's a bill lady. She does bills. And and the, the, speaking to it on a tactical level, when mm-hmm. you own the rails, it's impossible not to abuse. That power. Yeah. So, for example, Apple TV Plus, which basically produced Murphy Brown on the budget of Game of Thrones, and it's called The Morning Show mm-hmm. and has a bunch of other programs, I think has already 34 million people signed up. Why? Because if you buy an iPhone, if you're one of the 100 or 150 million people a year or 200 million people a year that get a new iPad or an iPhone, you all of a sudden have a, a logo or an app on mm-hmm. your home screen. This is Apple TV Plus. And right. in three clicks, in three right. clicks, Kara— you can be watching the morning show. Do you know how many clicks it takes to watch, to get to Netflix? Many it takes clicks. 17. And then it takes, I think, nine with Hulu. They're a little bit more user-friendly. But the reality is when, for most of us, yeah. a lack of friction to getting to watch the morning show, which is a B-plus show, in three clicks is better than spending nine to 17 to watch an A-minus show. Right. If you can say, if every time you come home and turn on your Amazon, your Alexa show, and it says, hey, do you want to try... Uh, Amazon Music for a free trial. I mean, that's yeah. frictionless versus trying to figure out uh, Spotify, which Amazon and Apple get in the way of. Apple charges 
every streaming video platform a 30% tax if you want to download it. So somewhere between 3 and 7% of Hulu, Netflix, um, um, uh, Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, somewhere between 3 and 7% of the revenue goes to the person who owns the rails, yes, Apple. Yes, indeed. Yes. So and it, it iterates guys, everywhere. It iterates around Google where they have, they, where they advantage their their products over things like Yelp 100%. and others. 100%. It happens and on Amazon with stuff they're selling, batteries yep. or whatever. It, yep. it It's literally all over the place. And remember, uh, remember in the old days of Google when you typed in a search return, they would shade in blue the two promoted ads that yes. were from Google saying we're getting paid, yes. that shading has disappeared. And basically mm-hmm. on any search of any sort of commercial value, the entire first page is being paid for. It's just Google doesn't want you to know about it. So all this aside, what are they going to do? This bill by Klobuchar I thought was really interesting. I'm hoping to interview her about it. Um, but, you know, they, they've talked about this. They, you know, there are lawyers at the Justice Department working on it. But again, mm-hmm. you know, jilted lover Scott Galloway, what's going to happen? I mean, what? how can... How can it move forward? Where where do you imagine? Give me give me an idea of where you think it's going to move forward. Well, some of these cases, uh, a company, whether it's Expedia or Sonos or um, Yelp, says, okay, we are the best destination based on what this person has typed in and wants to see. Mm-hmm. And Google's promise used to be to take consumers to the best place on the web. Now it takes them to the best place for Google to further monetize that search. And they're not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. And so by removing the immunity, what's interesting is rather than going after them for these cases by removing the immunity, they put a kind of a they take a squirt gun and replace it with a gun for all these different companies that feel as if they have been abused. So I think it's actually pretty elegant and smart legislation rather than going after them specifically for anti-competitive behavior. They're saying, okay, let's basically Sonos and Yelp and all these other guys that rightfully are saying monopoly abuse is putting us out of business. They've shown up to a gunfight with a squirt gun. They're going to give them a gun. They're going right. to say, all right, you you will have purchase in courts. These companies are no longer immune. They're no longer considered nascent technology companies that have some sort of blanket immunity from these types of these types of cases. And the question is, given the election coming up, it, which which side will be tougher on tech? I think either one. I think no matter after this coronavirus crisis ha- finishes, I think both sides are are sort of spoiling for doing something about this. I think eventually these things come, these things happen. So you think it's going to happen? You do think? I do. uh, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if Joe Biden's ever thought about it. He's talked about Section 230 somewhat incoherently, I'll be honest with you about it. Many people talk about Section 230 incoherently, but uh, he's talked about a number of things. But I actually asked Ron Klain about it because he's a top advisor. He was the chief of staff to Joe Biden when he was vice president, and he is working with them very closely. And, you know, he's very tech forward. He worked for Steve Case and Ron did. Um, But I think, you know, I think they're looking at a range of things. I think they can't avoid it if it's the Biden, if Biden is the he is the presumptive candidate. Um, And in the case of Trump, I do think Bill Barr is working on it. So it'll be interesting to see if the tech companies are able to sort of slough this off or it just becomes inevitable that something has to be done. Because you're right, owning the rails, the marketplace and every single PowerPoint along the way just is not, it's not good for competition. So we'll see. There's there's a lot of things happening in different, by different groups, and eventually it will coalesce around something, whether it's the FTC, whether it's Senator Klobuchar, whether it's Senator Hawley and, um, 
and Senator Blumenthal. Um, and so I do think it will coalesce. And I don't think Elizabeth yeah. Warren's going away, by the way. She's still no. in the Senate, by the way. <laughs> no way. She's the best. All right. We're yeah. going to we're going to take time for a quick break. And we'll be back after this with listener mail and predictions. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back. Scott, let's dig into listener Kara. mail. Let's dig into listener mail. Okay, let's dig. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hey, Scott and Kara, this is Abby Weiss from Key West, Florida. Is it possible Amazon could secure an abundance of COVID-19 testing kits and sell them to Prime subscribers or the general public at a loss? This seems like an ideal introduction to Amazon Care and product launch of other healthcare disruption services currently in the pipeline. Thanks to your challenging commentary since the iPhone episode, my boyfriend has become a convert and no longer refers to Pivot as that yelling podcast. <laughs> Cheers and thanks to you both. <laughs> Oh, my God, uh, the yelling I, I, podcast. Listen to me. I'm going to yell I right just, now. Abby, that's genius. Yeah, yes, that's right. I think it was a that's great right. idea for Amazon. Amazon, could, are you kidding? We'd all be like, we'd all be all tucked in our beds with like soup delivered to us if Amazon 100%. was running show. I just got one word to, to respond to that yeah. idea. Yeah. Woof. Yes. And interesting, because in. Seattle's boom, at the center of this. That's interesting, because Seattle's at the center of this crisis in this country, uh, with me- most of the cases starting there and very, very heavy problems. And they're doing, you know, the, the Governor Inslee and the mayor of Seattle are all doing yeah. very strong things, closing down things. 100%. And so, you know, Amazon launched its virtual care clinic for its Seattle-based employees about three weeks ago. Uh, if you remember, um, obviously, COVID-19, is uh, there's 273 confirmed cases and 20 deaths. Um, mm-hmm. This is, I think that's a great idea. Like, this is exactly what you're talking about. The government isn't going to get this done. There's going to be private insurance doing this. But why go through this antiquated system of going to your doctor? Like, the idea, I thought about getting tested. I'm like, oh, I can't even think about how that would happen. It's so non-easy and so yeah. full of friction that, you know, something like this where they deliver it or they they create these these swab things. Apparently, you just have to do a swab in your, your nose and, and make it happen faster. I think that's a great idea. I, I mean, I don't know. There's so much there. So first off, and I, I, I'm, I'm asking because your brother's a doctor. Yeah. I don't know this, but can you, is testing just one way, or does it have to go back to a lab? Can you self-test, or do you need to? No, send it needs it to back? go to a lab. But there's, yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of things of getting it done faster. The reason why initially they didn't pick the WHO test is because it took two to six days or something like that. It takes yeah. a few days, and I, there's stories after story in the press about how how people are just still waiting for the results unless you're an NBA player or. Tom Hanks in Australia, or a for celebrity. example. Yeah. yeah, well, he's yeah. in Australia though, but it works in Australia. So yeah. um, they, uh, they they they're bringing it down to a few hours. There's there's something at the Cleveland Clinic and some other things that are going on. Yeah. But exactly, we've got to have like there's nothing wrong with applying a private company solution is if it can be done right. And I think for Amazon, this would be a win. Um, to be oh, to be absolutely, involved we talked in about this. this. There's yeah. a void of leadership here. We yeah. have some, regardless of what you think about their. You know, these are leaders, and these are smart people, and they're incredibly well-resourced. And let's look at Governor Inslee. Mm-hmm. I think he's a leader. I yes. think he's smart. I think he's trying to be innovative. Didn't you call him and, dreamy also? 
Oh, he is dreamy. Yeah. I he is dreamy. I've met him. Big, he broad very shoulders. Dreamy. He's yep. very dreamy. He looks like a whiskey commercial. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> um, you know, when I'm fighting COVID-19, I go with Ballantines. Anyways, <laughs> the the guy, but, but think about this. This should be an opportunity. Yeah. There's the president or the head of the CDC or Vice President Pence should have Inslee on the phone saying, Governor, yeah. you've shown extraordinary leadership here. What can we learn from you? How can we work with you? Is there a way that you could get Microsoft and Boeing and whoever to to take this? What, find, find the state and the governor with the most resources is doing the best job and then say, how do we get this out to the other 49 states? Instead, oh, the president called the governor a snake. Yeah, he did. So do you think Governor Inslee might think, you know— do, I think he's a good man. I think he will absolutely do what's right for his state and his country. But he is he on good, fluid no. working it's terms with the president? It's ridiculous. You know, uh, he's and now like, if Amazon did this, what do you think the president would say? If Amazon did something heroic like this, and it would be heroic if they did it right. Um, they're not even thinking that way. They're thinking about how does it make us look if someone else gets credit? Right. That's us, what I mean. But if it's us. Amazon and Jeff Bezos, he's already yeah. got, Trump is already at yeah. war with Jeff Bezos. He'll probably like. And, but the thing is, everybody, it would work. I suspect it's Amazon with its distribution system, its ability to reach people. Um, you know, I think there's all kinds of private solutions to this. But you're take, right. It's got to be Take the done. supply chain of Apple. Right. Take the, the CRM technology of Salesforce. Yep. Take take the technology and software and interface of of Microsoft with their teams and their um, their uh, I forget what we got their their uh, video conferencing yeah, technology. Teams. Teams. Take the fulfillment network of Amazon, and let's get on this shit. Right. When 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 the Germans rolled into. Poland and Slovakia, we went to Maytag and said, "Hey, can you build B19s?" And they said, "You know we can." And uh, so I think this is that opportunity yeah. for those guys. I agree. More uh, to the point, when I need Diet Cherry Coke immediately, I know I can rely on Amazon <laughs> to get it, like, at any hour of the day and night. It's absolutely I mean, true. We have changed our logistics, and, and, yeah. and there's so many ways that people are used Diet to Diet Cherry Coke. <laughs> I love Diet Cherry Coke. That's the best thing I've heard all day. Thank Granted, it's been a low bar, but that is the best <laughs> thing I've heard all day. <laughs> You are my, you are the Purell in my life. Oh my Jungle God. Cat. Let me just say, you are, you. That is the first smile I've had all day. Thank you. Thoughts and Diet prayers. Diet Cherry Tom Coke. Hanks. I just want to say thoughts and prayers, Tom and Rita, uh, Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks. Thoughts and prayers. Um, yeah, predictions, agreed. Scott. I need a prediction from you, and then we got to get out. I hear you're traveling somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to where I'm going to where it's safer. I'm going to Mexico. So, anyway, uh, the. Look, there's going to be some Wait a very second. You're going to Mex- Are you like one of those rich people escaping? That's what you're doing. You're escaping, aren't you? I'm just one of those people escaping. I, I don't have land in New Zealand. I'm not like one of those people. Escaping. All right. Anyways, um, uh, so look, a, a few things are going to happen here. Right. I think this might be the starting point or the starting gun for the disruption in education and healthcare that everyone's been waiting oh, on. Oh, I like that. And What's happened at NYU and Columbia and Fordham, they all shut down within 24 hours of each other because nobody wants to be the school that, that decided to stay open and mm-hmm. became ground zero for the, you know, became a hot zone. So we've all closed and we've all been doing these um, uh, online seminars classes, and yeah. online case studies to helping the faculty, which tend to skew older and tend not to be, tend to over-index on technological incompetence. And we've all been sharing tips, and I, I'm boasting now, but I've been doing online classes. I've been doing one online class for every every course I've had such, such that I could have the flexibility to travel for business. So mm-hmm. I've been doing this for five years using Zoom, Hangouts. All of a sudden, all of the faculty across America yeah. and people who want to learn are getting comfortable 
with the technologies and format of online learning. And there's t- there's tricks and trades. They mm-hmm. have to have their video camera on so they don't go to the refrigerator. Right. You have to randomly call on them so they stay crisp and sharp, right? Otherwise, they just doze off and start, start you know, doing whatever it is 21-year-olds do. But we're about to see a distribution, just as how Amazon could help by ensuring that healthcare gets distributed so that such that emergency rooms and healthcare isn't overrun. We have been so focused on universities and we've been uh, space constrained, which has led to a finite number of seats, which has led to uh, good kids not being able to get in, which in my opinion has fueled income inequality. I think that this massive learn-at-home experiment that's going yeah. on in addition to this work-at-home experiment could be the breakthrough we're looking through for oh, in terms of beginning to I disrupt like online education. All right, I'm going to press you. Give give me, if you're, a, you, since you're an expert at this and you are online all the time, I mean, I, every, everything I open up, there's Scott screaming at me on the yelling show. <laughs> um, what, give tips if, for other professors, since you are at the, you are a pioneer in this area, what, give me three things Besides turning on the camera, like very specific, what they what they have to do if they wanted to do it tomorrow. Well, the first thing is, and this this goes back to the a, a greatness is in the agency of others. The first thing I did was I got Drew Burrows, who's mm-hmm. our tech and operations person here, to say, "All right, I'm doing an online class. I think I know how to use this." But you need to be there with me, spoon feeding. And because you can learn what buttons to push on Zoom, but unless you understand it, unless you understand how to troubleshoot, inevitably when 300 people show up to your class at 6 p.m., something's going to go wrong and you're going to panic. So I think for the first the first two or three classes, at least, you have to have what I'd call, you know how there's a there's a, a flight officer or a mm-hmm. weapons officer behind you in an F-15? No, there's I don't second. know that, but go ahead. Well, you know, you saw Top Gun. Right? I'm going to Goose. be seeing it unless they delay it. Anyway. You had Goose. You had Goose in the back yeah. working on the missile firing, working on the technology such that Maverick could focus on flying the plane. Yeah. You need your Goose for the first several sessions. You need a tech person because the majority of us don't have a background in technology. Sure. You need to absolutely over-animate. Over-animate. You need to be, you need to pretend mm-hmm. you're reading a kid, your your eight-year-old a, a bedtime story. And that level of animation needs to happen to your teaching oh, because I need it to is, do that on our YouTube channel. Hi, people. I'm over animating. Right, Kara, because if there's a there's a there's an intensity and electricity to person to person yeah. that you lose okay. and you have to compensate for it by being animated and loud and jazz and hands. Inflection of your hundred percent inflection hands and right now. Variance, variance in your voice. And then you got to get in their face. Yeah. Within 15 minutes, you got to be calling on them. Right. And if someone's not paying attention, you say, look, if if you want me to cash your parents' check for seven grand, that's your business. But I'm going to come back in three minutes. And if you don't have a better answer, oh, so I'm going to turn on your attention. video and we're going to stop there. So you have to be in oh, their face. Oh, you can face. see so, them. That's right. You can see them. That's right. Can they goose, block you? Goose over animated. You're reading a kid's story. Yeah. And you have to hold them accountable and be in their face rapid fire. All right, Scott, this is great. This is a great prediction. It's very useful, too, for the people in in this time of tech and the time of coronavirus, as they like to say. Everyone, uh, don't forget, uh, Pivot is on YouTube. Uh, Again, I'm being trying to be animated, but I think it's not working very bad at well. You can find us on YouTube.com slash Pivot. And don't forget, we love your questions. If you have a question about story you're hearing in the news, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. Scott, would you please stay safe? That would be, and please wash your You're hands. You're such a voice of calm. I feel, I yeah. feel much better after speaking with you, Do Kara. you? 
to you. Well, yeah, listen to my Ron Klain interview and you will feel even better because there's there's a yeah. way out of this. There's always a way out of this. And the chaos that it feels like is only because uh, because of the way it's being conducted at the top. Oh, 100%. The, the, the bad news is these things always happen. The good news is they always end. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I would uh, appreciate it if you would read the credits uh, so that you can get out of here. 100% Kara. So today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. Special thanks to Rebecca Castro and Drew Burrows. Please download the podcast, subscribe, socially distance, be safe. We are thinking about you. Yes. America has faced much oh bigger foes than this and we have overcome Listen, them. Winston Churchill. I'm going to read us out with a quote. I'm going to read us out with a quote by Livy. Things turn out best for the people who make the best out of the way things turn out. Go on. That is a deep, Go on. All right. Deep we will see you. When will we see? We'll see everybody on Tuesday. Tuesday. We'll hear from them or they'll hear from us for a breakdown of all things tech and business. Have a great weekend, Kara. <laughs>